Thanks so much for coming across a couple of weeks ago, those who were able to make it for the, uh, for the One Church uh, United Vision Night. Uh, I really do appreciate it because I know that actually traveling from here uh, across to Eastbourne, especially late at night, I think the winds had come and the trees were falling down and, and uh, some of you having to divert around. Thank you so much. It is very appreciated. And uh, I know that often we don't, so we don't turn around and go, let's all go across the seafood. And you go, yeah, at last. You, you, I don't hear that. Thank you. And I hear your willingness to, to come across. I might not hear it anyway, so, but it's, it's really good and very grateful. Uh, as part of that evening, if you were there, then you would have picked up on the fact that there's a new rhythm in the life of the church that is coming, come January. And uh, in a couple of weeks' time at the Strand event. By the way, Strand, if you have no idea what the Strand event is, it's just an outstanding kind of uh, production. Um, a lot of music, a lot of drama, a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of laughter. And uh, if you want to come along to that, I really encourage you to do that. Apparently, you don't have to pay if you have your tickets in Seaford. So if you want free tickets, go and have a word with Jill, and she'll cover it herself. So uh, go and have it. But I really do recommend it, okay? And it's an ideal place, actually, if you've got friends who want to come along. It's just great. It's actually just an excellent uh, environment in which to bring friends along to who wouldn't normally come along. And uh, so I really do recommend that. And, uh, but there's a magazine that is coming out at uh, the Strand event, which is going to really talk about, uh, as well as some of the vision and who and what we are and stuff like that, but we're going into a, a season where uh, we, we're looking at the importance of groups in the life of the church. And it's not just what's happening in Seaford, but because we're one church, there's, uh, there's 40 or 50 or 60 groups that are coming into effect in January, which you can go to any of them. You can go to all of them. It doesn't matter whether you're based here, whether you're based across into another town 10 miles away. There's things that are hopefully going to be there that you know, don't, well, that'd be really good for me to come along. And I'll go into that a little bit in a moment. One of the key things is, is about groups is that we want people to, to stick into the life of the church. And the last time I came across here, oh, what was it, a month ago, something like that, I really talked about this thing called our discipleship roadmap, that we as a church, we want to help people to come and find us. When they find us, we want to help them to come and stick with us. And when they stick with us, we want people to then grow with us. So we kind of call it this roadmap, but it's defined to stick, to grow. And some of you might be in this position right now, here, today, going, you know what, I've found my way here somehow, you know, it's like in, a, in a church environment, and in amongst all these people who are like singing these songs and waving their arms about and giving lavishly and extravagantly in finances and stuff, and it's like, what's this all about? And some of you might be coming in going, I don't get it. I, I'm not quite understanding it, but you found your way here, and it's brilliant to see you. It's so good, thank you. Because it's actually not just battling the storms today, but you're also battling against a lot of storms that are taking place in life. You might be coming in here going, do you know, I've got no history or background of the Christian faith. I found myself here, and, and there's these battles that you're coming up in. Can I trust these guys? This bloke called John, who you might never have met before, can I trust him? Now, some of you might say, yes, he can. Okay, some of you. But, but, but you can trust what he's saying. You know, this puppet down in the town centre. Why do I want to do that? You know, can I trust the church? Can I trust the Can you trust me? And you're trying to work through on some of that stuff, going, I'm not sure if I know these guys. Are they trustworthy? And then some of you are battling against, you know, if you're in that position, I don't understand some of this stuff. You know, some of these words that come up on the screen, they're kind of like a bit strange. They're a little bit odd. You know, talking about, you know, worthy is the lamb that was slain. You're going... What, what, what on earth are you singing about? You don't get those kind of lyrics in many modern cultural songs. So you can come from a place where it's like kind of a lack of understanding can actually be a barrier for you to discover whether there's any truth in here. 
And then in amongst that, you've got this secularization. That, that there's a nervousness within our society that says, actually, we want to erase, eradicate Christianity, and actually not just Christianity, all religions. We don't want religion actually to be part of society because it's obviously you look around the world what's going on and, and everything, and it's all in the name of religion, in the name of God. It's evil, it's wrong, let's get rid of that, let's, let's dispose of it. And Christians are standing up going, you don't understand what this is, and Muslims are standing up saying this isn't true Islam, and, but, but actually we don't trust them, let's erase it, let's get rid of it. And if you can't get rid of it, erase it, at least keep it private and quiet. And so you might know of Christians, but their encouragement for Christians these days is actually keep your faith to yourself. So to actually find out how this impacts your life and how this might impact you and change you and shape you and motivation in life, it's not so easy to find people who are willing to, to speak it out so much now. So you, you're coming in with all those, and in addition to that, there's this options, so many options in life. Well, how do you know what Christianity is about and whether that's true or not? And if it's true, how, how do you know it's true? And how do you define what's true is? And it's true to you, it might not be true to me. So you've got that battle you're having to work through. And then I guess the final battle would be about the unclear message that sometimes you hear that comes out from this establishment called the church. You know, the thousands of different variations or expressions of Christianity. It, it can't make sense. So you might find yourself here, somehow here today, battling all these thoughts that are going on in your head, the least we can do when you get here in that situation is to make you feel as welcome as possible. Because we do appreciate the journey in has actually been really tough, especially if you're in a place where you wanted to explore spirituality. And so the brioche and the coffee is a great start, but we want you to come into a, a welcoming community so we understand and we appreciate, you know, in this storm and these battles that's going on and your thoughts and the thought processes and everything like that, it's tough to even get here through the door. Thank you, you come through the door. Once you're in the door, we want to do all we can to help you to stay. That, that's kind of where I was a few weeks ago in talking in this, in this roadmap, that we do want to encourage people to stick in and actually to be in community. There's a church leader that I'm uh, friends with up in London who has a large church in South London, uh, multiple venues and what, one and a half thousand people in the church. And, and, and actually they do this exit interview. Not, you know, not when people leave on a Sunday, what do you think of the vicar and not the vicar of the preach? And, you know, let's give them marks out of ten. And so it's actually if people leave the church. Now, sometimes there's very good and legitimate reasons why people, you know, relocation and stuff. But sometimes people move on for not quite so positive reasons. And actually one of the main reasons in a negative way where people move on is because we do not have friends. And it's the importance of knowing and feeling that you are connected somewhere in a community that you know and feel that you belong. And when we're talking about groups, one of the key things about why groups are important and a midweek community life, so it's not just here on a Sunday, but it, it's moving from the rows of a Sunday into kind of like circles of community where you're facing one another. We're smaller groups in the context of you know, variations of what those groups can look like. But one of the key elements and the reason why we want to encourage people to get out the rows and into groups is because we want people to feel that they connect and belong somewhere. So the number one reason why the midweek community groups we really want to promote and support is that actually, firstly, they are the best place to know that you belong. It's a place to belong. Belonging is part of a family. And so come January, February time of next year, we're launching out a whole new season of different style of groups. Some of you are part of the, what we call King's Life groups at the moment. 
Well, they're going to continue doing life together. Then we're going to be running courses. Some of you have been part of like the Freedom Course in recent weeks across into Seaford. Uh, so freedom and marriage and parenting and Alpha. Alpha is this introduction to what Christianity is about, and that's starting in February here in Seaford. There's activity stuff. Now, some of you are into zumbering, and if Jez was here, he's into that boxer size thing. But there's, you know, there's exercise stuff, there's activity-based things, there's photography, there's, there's various things that people are into. You go, okay, I really want to connect with other people who do that. Then there's those who are wanting to reach uh, social action, responding to various situations we find within community. And then sometimes people gather together because they're in teams, whether it's worship teams or like the Strand of Gold team. And so there's going to actually be lots of different expressions of groups. And we're saying, do you know what, just sign into one, at least one. It, you can have multiple groups, that's okay. But, but we want people to find primarily a group that people can belong to. More freedom, more flexibility. Uh, you'll be able to see that. There's a sign-up window in January, and then we're going to start running it for seriously from February. So why bother? Why bother with groups at all? Because I don't believe we're designed to do life on our own. One of the primary reasons I don't think we... Are, we, we there's something within us, you know, hearing Martin's prayer before, saying this is the one relationship that was designed for. I don't think we're designed to be in isolation. Now, we're living in, many of us will understand that the Western worldview that we're living in. Some of you are not Western. Some of you will have a different perspective. But there's a strong Westernized worldview that promotes individualization, individualism. It's about me, my desires, my wants, about me. Really interesting that I saw a survey, a map of Europe recently. It's actually Europe and Asia. And, and this map was, uh, lots of surveys have been done, and this map was indicating the, from a 0 to 100% level of individualization. And it was a map of Europe, and it, it kind of like had hot spots. And in all of Europe and Asia, the most individualistic society was the UK across all of Europe and Asia. And then within the UK, the most individualistic nation was England. So we're on a winner there. So individualization is something that's about me. It's about who I am and how I fit in. But I don't think community, I don't think it's necessarily a biblical principle at all. Interdependent upon one another, not living in isolation. Family is actually much broader than me, the wife, and the kids. It's important for us to understand though, that when we talk community, that the word community actually has got the same root to this word common. It's what we have in common. And so when Peter, one of the first early uh, leaders of the church, he wrote a letter out and he said this, once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. That is the very thing that we have in common. Not the fact that you like badminton or boxing or knitting. Or... The, the thing that you have in common is that once you weren't God's people, but now you are God's people. And that needs to be expressed into the local community. The very thing that we have in common is Jesus, the gospel. And actually, the, uh, if you're a Christian, then the, there's a familiar verse in the Bible. A little passage, a little bit of a story in the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is the bit after Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is going to be, you know, he died, we believe, rose again, 
They went to be uh, in heaven. And it's the bit afterwards, the beginnings of the church. What happened at the beginnings of the church? How did it roll out from there? Right at the beginning, it says this. I think we've got the words. It says, and they devoted themselves, okay, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having faith with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Here we've got an insight of community life, how it should or could be expressed is what Christian community looks like. They were devoted to the teaching, there were the breaking of bread, I'll come on to that in a moment, there was the praying together, and there was this word called fellowship. It's not a word often used in today's community. But they were continuing steadfastly. There was this ongoing commitment towards one another. There was a clear commitment about being expressed on an ongoing basis. The question is, why is that important? Well, you've got to remember the context. Because here at this point, there was this new faith or new set of beliefs. Just prior to that passage I've just read out, there was an event that happened in Jerusalem. There was this festival that was taking place called Pentecost. And it's a bit like a harvest festival that where people were coming in and going, well, it's a harvest festival in, in the capital city of Jerusalem. And in that context the disciple followers of Jesus were sitting in a room together. And then the presence of God came upon them so powerfully that kind of like strange things started to happen to them. And it appeared as if their heads were on fire and tongues of fire were there. And, 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 and these strange languages that were spilling out of their mouths that, that they burst out of this room speaking in these, to them, unknown languages, but they were not unknown to the people around them. People were going, I understand what you're saying to me. These uneducated people were suddenly speaking supernaturally into another language. And people were hearing. And at the end, then Peter stood up and he kind of like proclaimed this message about Jesus and about, he gave the historical background and everything that had gone on. And then he, he, and then he led a response. And thousands of people were in a place where a response was, was taking place that, that, look, you've rejected this Jesus. You, you, in effect, we killed him. And you got that wrong. And, and it says at that point, 3,000 people suddenly like going, oh, what have we done? Yes, we need to follow Jesus. These were devout. These were sincere people who were faithfully attending, a, a, in effect, a harvest festival. They were religious. They were good-hearted. They were good-minded. They were devout people. And suddenly Peter is standing up in front of all of them saying, hey, guys, all these things that you have valued to this point, you've got it wrong. Well, there's actually more to it. So there's this new, you know, some of us in a situation where when you became a Christian, your life's turned upside down. This is a brand new life. Changed completely. And not only was there a new faith or new set of beliefs, there was also this new deal that was coming in. This new deal called this new covenant, new promise. And it says that it was indicated by this event called breaking of bread. So you might have seen that. It's like you know, the Christians get together, have a loaf, break it in half, have this juice or wine, drink it, and bring, drink it. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said this that on the night that he was betrayed. Look, get the bread, break it. 
that's like my body's going to be broken for you. And then get this juice, and that's like my blood, which is going to be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. It was like this reenactment. And I thought, a few weeks ago, how can I illustrate something which is symbolic, which means so much more? And I first gave this message, which is on Remembrance Sunday, across into Eastbourne. And I looked down and I saw this little paper plastic poppy. This little red poppy that in itself doesn't have any value. But it indicates so much more. This paper and this plastic, this red, talked about sacrifice, talked about for freedom. And actually when we come and break bread together, it talks of sacrifice and it talks about freedom. So there was a new kind of like faith that was coming and there was a new deal. A couple of days ago, some of you might have seen that as part four of the trilogy of the Hunger Games is out at the moment. It's a great series of books. And the advert on the, on the side of the buses on this trilogy of films called Mockingjay Part 2 says, nothing can prepare you for the end. It's true. I've read the books, I know how it ends. And I couldn't share that with you. Doesn't look as if she wants to hear the ending. Okay, <laughs> nothing quite prepares you for the end. Okay, because it's like often in good films and stuff like that, you sort of go, "Oh, I'm not going anymore." <laughs> oh, right, okay. And then you go back through the whole of the trilogy and you see it through different eyes. And that is actually what was happening in this situation. That's why they were needing to devote themselves to the teaching of the leaders, because the leaders had been around Jesus, and now they were having to see things through a new set of filters. You see that? That, that, that they were like, a gather. oh, we must get together with these people, because they were with Jesus, and we didn't understand it before, but now we see there's a completely different ending. Now it makes sense. That's why they needed to devote themselves. I've been so excited about the rooted course. Part of the fact that you got all the answers when we had the joining of the church course the other day, so you, your team won, which was amazing. But this journey that people have been on, often have been on this thing called Alpha, and then on to Alpha Plus, and then on to Alpha Plus Plus, and then on to... There was this journey that we're taking people on. And actually rooted is this understanding the culture and the values and how we think and how we tick and what life looks like in the culture of the kingdom and stuff. And we've been really excited about seeing people going, oh, I see how life is changing. See, we're in this together. And it's importance of helping one another to grow. So that, and it's important that we understand that we play our part in helping people to grow. Now, if you're in the habit of business of making babies, and some of you are, and well done in Seaford for your diligence in that, For many, having a baby changes everything. You, you don't just have the baby and you're like, like a week later, now you're a week old, off you go. Your life turns upside down. There was a day that you could get out of the house in five minutes. You can't do that when you have a baby. It's like five hours. And, and you could just walk out with one bag at one time. You don't. You have to have like separate roof boxes on the car and trailers just for like all the accessories that go with it. Why? Because you know your life turns upside down with a baby. 
And, and you see this baby, you don't like, you know, amazing what happens like in a matter of weeks and months, uh, you know, six months on, they're kind of like seven, eight months on, and they're suddenly like starting to move and they're sitting up and, they, and they're grabbing hold of things and standing up and going, come on, come on, come on, and this little toddler is doing this, and then they fall over, you go, oh, stupid baby. <laughs> Have I not told you how to walk? Why don't you listen to me? Oh, you're on your own now. Don't do that. Because you're going, come on, you can do it. Go on. You're beautiful. You're cute. You're lovely. I posted a photograph of my son the other day on Facebook. He was the ugliest baby when he was born. <laughs> His mother never thought he was. But uh, yeah, we've got one picture. He's not flattering of Jake. Okay. And uh, everyone has posted it on Facebook. Lots of little comments underneath. Oh, it's so ugly, he said. Sorry, that's a bit unfair. But he liked it. And, but you don't go, come on, you can do it. You're encouraging the whole, you know, some of you, young children, come on, you can do it. It's great. Come on, come on. Say, dada, mama, dada. Come on, you can do it. And, and we're coaching people all the time. If they stumble and fall, you don't leave them. You go along, you pick them up, you hold a hand, you give them something to, come on, you can do this. Now, some of you are in the habit of making disciples. Well done. Commend you. And it's the same thing that actually what we should be in a position is that we're not saying, oh, come on, you stupid, you've fallen over, you got it wrong. Don't you know by now? No, because there's a whole new world that you're having to adapt to. A baby is having to come to terms with this new life, what, how does, making sense of life, making sense of movement, making sense of noise, making sense of language. This child that is born is, is growing and it, it has life, but it's now beginning life. And it's the same with someone who's come to faith in Jesus. You see, you see the parallel? That actually what we need to be doing is saying, come on, well done. You've got life. Now let me introduce you to life. Let me, let me show you what life is about. Encouragement, support. And actually one of the reasons why groups are really important is that we're in the place where we're helping people along the journey. We're saying, come on, well done, that is fantastic. Oh, you're stumbling, don't worry. Come on, get up on your feet again. Let's go again. Let me help you make sense of what this new Christian life is about. We don't suddenly say, that's it, you're now a new Christian. It's like when you become a Christian, it's this whole new faith, there's no new adventure. It's as if you've been born again and you're having to learn new life skills. So where does it happen? In community, in groups. To where people feel accepted, tolerated, loved. Supported, encouraged. First reason why groups are important, it's a place where we belong. I encourage you, be a part of a group. And the second reason is it's a place to believe for more. Care groups, community groups, fellowship groups, house groups, home groups, missional groups, cell groups, life groups. If you've been around for a while, you've probably heard all of them. And now we just have Groups. It's not even a new name. It's a shortened version of an old name. Is it just the same thing? Different view. A couple of my uh, senior leaders have different views about where groups fit into the priority in the life of the church. And one said recently, if you're not part of a life group, you're not part of the church. We have a high value on discipline and structure, commitment. Another one said... I don't want to endlessly sit around in a circle getting bored waiting for someone to pray. There's a slightly different view of where groups fit into his perspective. 
But I'm not sure, but sometimes I get the impression that sometimes people have low impressions or expectations of what groups are about. And the danger of the new group structure, which doesn't always necessarily focus on growing together and studying the word of God and praying together. The problem is with the new structure is that we could just say it's the new lowest common denominator that becomes the facts that we like to gather together. So it's the fact that you go zumbering or boxercising, that, that the common factor in all of this is, is the activity. Let me just make it clear that badminton is not the key and coffee and cake is not the reason we meet and, and going out cycling together is not the reason or knitting or boxing or singing or drinking are not the common factors. Sure, we might like knitting and boxing and knitting and boxing at the same time. But the common denominator of all this is not simply comfortable togetherness. Ultimately, the thing that we have in common, we want people to know Jesus. And that's really important. If all people come to is a social setting, they can get that anywhere. What people can't get is a brand new radical perspective on life that brings transformation, which they'll get from us living life with them. That's what we bring. Sure, badminton is fun, but what is missing is the life that Jesus brings. So how do we connect the two? So I do believe that life is too short for comfortable togetherness. On one level, great, groups are about camaraderie, belonging, family, it's a place to belong. But on another level, I want to encourage that about lighting a fuse where an explosion of love and truth, love and truth, compassion and zeal and joy and worship and power and purpose groups are actually a trigger for these things it's the kind of explosion that happened through the book of acts so doing a very quick study in the book of Acts, you can actually see some of the impact of small groups at the very start when they a small group had gathered now it's a bit unfair because this was like the total sum of the church at this point and gathered together in an upper room of about 100 and so people slightly larger than a small group but at that context it says this and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house that they were sitting okay that was the very first occasion the presence of God came 3,000 people responded 5,000 within a matter of days across a massive geographical area within the space of the next decade or so in the context of a small group power of God exploded a little bit later on in the story, Peter and John had been arrested for being Christians and preaching the gospel. They'd gone along to the temple, they didn't like it, they tried to shut them up, they arrested them and put them into prison, then released them. And then they went out from there and joined a small group. Okay? They went along and they said, and when they had prayed, a place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So in the context of a small group, not only the presence of God can come, but there is also an equipping of the people to have courage and bravery, boldness. A little bit later on in Acts chapter 12, at one point, one of the key leaders of the day had been killed. Okay, a man called James, he'd had his head removed from his body, he was beheaded. Peter had been arrested. He was now in prison about to be handed over for the similar fate. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayers for him was made to God by the church. Now, was that all of the church estimates somewhere between five and 10,000 people in Jerusalem at this time? Was that the whole church gathering together? 
Well, we find that a few little bit later on in the story, that, that Peter was miraculously released from the prison, and it says that an angel literally led him out of the prison through the doors and everything like that. And it says this, when he realized this, Peter, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. It says many, it doesn't say all. It says a gathering together, many were gathered, great. In, in, a, in a Jerusalem house of a wealthy resident, you might get 40 people in the house. So many people, 40, not in the context of 10,040. So right across the city, it says the church were praying in the context of small groups. Ordinary Christians meeting in ordinary houses. Seeing amazing things happen. Acts chapter 13 a small group of leaders are gathered in a city called Antioch. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. That moment was key to seeing transformation expand around the world. It was a world-changing moment. Because at that moment, Paul, Barnabas... They left from Antioch and they started to go out from Antioch and travel around a massive area preaching the gospel. That was such an important occasion. Where did it happen? In the context of a small group. Acts chapter 16. They were forced together in a small group because of circumstances. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaking and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Okay, Paul, Silas, not Barnabas on the occasion, another leader called Silas, praying together in a city called Philippi, praise and prayer released the explosion of power in the context of the small group. Groups in the New Testament were not boring. They were not sitting around for the next person to pray. Ordinary people meeting together with such expectation that they saw the spirit being poured out, people being added daily, missionaries being called and sent and changing the world and prison doors opening. That is another good reason why it's good to belong to a small group. They're designed to be a place of explosive fellowship. Not simple around putting the worlds to right, moaning about 5P carrier bag charges, but a place that is so charged with the dynamic sense of the presence of God that lives are impacted and transformed and released and set apart and sent out to change the world. Purpose for groups, in my mind, twofold. A place to belong. We have everything in common with Jesus and a place to believe. A place to believe for more. Believe that someone can come and play badminton or Zamba, but end up believing in Jesus and changing the world. On the current rooted course, there's a chap called Floyd, a biker, a biker man. And he kept driving past King Centre, kind of laughing at, oh, look at all those people in there. We drive past on a Sunday morning, and he was telling me this a few days ago, and he would see people you know, raising their arms, like, oh, weird bunch of tree huggers, is how he described it. And then one day, he, he was going around the roundabout, I guess on one Sunday morning, and he had this thought in his head that he should go there one week. So that's what he did. And now he finds himself with his hands in the air as a tree hugger himself. <laughs> but his life has just turned upside down. It's remarkable. He sat there the other day chuckling away, and you remember this. I said, oh, where's King's Church? We have this reputation, always after your money. We're not after your money. <laughs> said, no, we're not. And then come back, no, no, we're not here. It's an issue of the heart, and anything in terms of generosity to give me sort <laughs> what is it? And he says, well, you are after my money. And it's right that you are. 
Here's this man who, a matter of months ago, did not know any of this life transformation. I know there's a story in the, in the Alpha Plus that he just shared about, about forgiveness, and somebody was really struggling in the Alpha Plus about forgiveness, and, and Floyd just spoke up in that context, and he said, let me just tell you my story. And he told the story that for years, for decades, that he was in a position that he could not forgive his first wife because his first wife had caused the death of his child. And then he's found himself in a position where he was helping someone else through an issue of unforgiveness that he realised that he had forgiven his ex-wife. It's the power of God. Expectations are high. That someone can come in on a bike and end up believing. And he's now saying he's on, in, he's on disability benefits and stuff. And he was just sharing it. He says, no, I want to tithe, so I'm tithing my benefits. And ever since that moment, God has just provided for me. Months ago, it would not have been like that. And we just see him, the growth and the lifestyle. Come on, Floyd, you're doing great. He's a big guy. He's not like, oh, come on, little Floyd. He's not like that. He's a big guy, but he's doing amazing. Just look at this story. Purpose for groups. Common ground in Jesus. And it's a place to believe for more. It's careful we don't get sidetracked. Life is too short to get sidetracked. So if you're in a life group at the moment and continue, you've got all these choices that are coming out in the coming weeks. If you're part of a life group, do life together, but don't just get sidetracked by carrier bag discussions, but see the expectation is to see life transformation. And if you're going to be part of a group like Freed for Purpose, not next term, but the term after, to see lives impacted by the presence of God that nothing changes except everything. And like the marriage course that you might sign up for, and those marriages that are just kind of like going, oh, we're going through a bit of a routine or a bit of mundane. How do we spark and suddenly come into a course and life, you know, marriages just flourish as a result. Or parents, as they go into the parent courses, uh, are struggling and finding it hard how to bring up uh, kids and teenagers into this society in which we live in, which is so saturated by internet and everything like that. Suddenly you're getting filled with hope and a fresh sense of purpose and zeal for the future. And the groups that are gathering to play badminton and zumba and knit for Jesus and bike for Jesus, whatever it is, the common denominator is not comfortable togetherness. But the common factor in all of it is Jesus and knowing that Jesus changes lives. Groups are really important. They're a place to belong, to be involved, to be part of, to know love, to show love, to be supported, to show support, to build up, to be built up, to cheer on and to benefit yourself. And they are a place to believe. It's a light of fuse that leads to an explosion of love, of truth, of compassion, of zeal, of joy, of worship, of prayer, and of purpose. And come January, you're going to get your opportunity to play your part and belong. Can we just pray together? God, I thank you that the gospel is amazing. This gospel is so inclusive that one time I was on the outside and one time I was looking in through a window and I was not invited. And then you opened the door and said, come on in. I thank you that the gospel is so inclusive that you want us to be part of the family.
And actually, there might be some people here today who have found themselves here somehow against all the battling store. And you go, do you know what? I want to belong. I want to be part. I want to know where my place is in Jesus. I want to thank you that this good news that we've been talking about really is to find the place that we're always designed for, to be in relationship with you. And God, I pray that we as a church community will do all that we can to support, to bless, to encourage, to build up, to help people along the journey. The people who have just been born again. The people who have started life all over. That we'll be able to say, come on, up on your feet, you're doing great. Come on, let's keep going. Come on, you can do this. And at the same time, we'll have people ahead of us on the journey that we're listening to and we're learning from. And we're saying, great, I'm glad you're supporting me. Help us to play our part. Help us also to believe for more. That actually through our small groups that we don't just have a common factor of enjoying doing some activity together. But ultimately the common ground will be growing in you. I pray for that for your glory and your honour. In Jesus' name. Amen.